We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, per usual, it is Saturday. I'm going to be going through my scouting report, have a lot of notes from the Washington Commanders, one that we'll certainly be discussing quite a bit. Before we get there, I want to go through the Packers updated injury report first. 
We have three players out for Green Bay. That is going to be Randall Cobb, uh, Jake Hansen, and Christian Watson. No surprises there. Uh, everyone else that's on the active roster right now should be good to go. However, there is one question mark that remains, and that is Sammy Watkins coming back from the hamstring injury. Uh, there have been some reports that it sounds like he may be available in some limited capacity. I still sort of believe that they may, you know, proceed with caution here and maybe give him an extra week. They are getting to the point where like, hey, they need to start getting some wins. So you can't be uh, too careful. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I, like this has been a issue, a hamstring issue for Sammy Watkins for a long time now. And it just seems like, you know, maybe being a little bit more cautious and being able to get him back for the remainder of the season could be more important. But Either way, like he is a big time potential player for this game. They are clearly down Randall Cobb and Christian Watson already. And it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. It's going to be Alan Lazard. And then the next wide receivers leave a lot to be desired, or just at least a lot of question marks. I would expect Juwan Winfrey to probably get activated to the active roster on Saturday, maybe an IR move for either Christian Watson, uh, maybe a IR move for Jake Hansen. We'll see. Uh, but that's a possibility. Samore Toure, Amari Rogers, just a lot of unknowns for that remaining spot. And that's a lot of heavy lifting for Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs. So if Sammy Watkins can play, that would be a huge, you know, just get for them in this game that he would be able to go and provide another weapon and option plus a great blocker on the outside. So as we get to the inactives on Sunday, an hour and a half before kickoff, uh, I guess even before then, because we'll know if they activate him or not. So as we even get into Saturday and see who they activate, is Sammy Watkins active? Is he not active? That will absolutely be worth keeping an eye on this weekend. All right, let's jump into the scouting report because there's a lot of interesting stuff to go over here. So the first thing I did is I went back and I rewatched Packers commanders from last year, at least Packers Washington football team from last year. Taylor Heineke, quarterback in that game, you may remember. Also went back and looked at my grades from that game and my notes from that game. So let's start with Taylor Heineke. Heineke had 95 yards rushing in that game, 268 yards passing. The Washington football team put up 430 yards of total offense, 430 yards of total offense and had a grand total of 10 points to show for it. Green Bay got, let's just say, Green Bay got lucky in that game that they did not give up a lot more points. They got a TJ Slayton blocked field goal, which certainly helped. There was the play where uh, Taylor Heineke was free to run into the end zone and would have given him 96 rushing yards on the day, but he dove for the end zone and they deemed that he was giving himself up. And when he gave himself up, the ball had not crossed the line yet. And so he was down at like the one inch line. And then the very next play on fourth down, you had the Taylor Heineke jump over the uh, pile to try to get into the end zone. And it looked like he probably got to the goal line, but there was no real definitive view. So it was a turnover on down. So that was a missed seven points. Heineke had a interception to Chandon Sullivan in the end zone. There was like three or four turnover on downs. And ultimately at the end of the day, Washington ended 0 for 4 in the red zone. So Green Bay's red zone defense, which had not stopped a team in the red zone uh, up until that point that season, got four stops in a game that was, you know, fairly close. Green Bay clearly won it at the end, but man, like they should have had a lot more point production in that game, ended up with only 10 points, but they went up and down the field on Green Bay's defense. And Taylor Heineke was a big part of that, both rushing and throwing the football. Now, some good news, Rashawn Gary had a huge game. He had two sacks, a forced fumble, four quarterback hits. He was all over 
the place, and you would expect him to be able to potentially continue that this week. Even Charles Leno, who I'm a big fan of, if you've been listening this week, uh, he beat Leno a couple times, and I don't think regardless of who's in there at offensive tackle and whether Gary's lining up on the left side or the right side, I think Gary's going to have an opportunity to make another big impact in this game, and we saw that a, a season ago when they were playing the Washington football team. And then another note from this game that I think is very relevant this week as well is the Packers could not run the football and they gave up on it, which has been a theme to this season so far. Aaron Jones in that game, six carries, 19 yards. A.J. Dillon, three carries, six yards. And then Kylan Hill had three carries for two yards. So, I mean, what, a total of 12 carries for 27 yards for the running backs in that game? That is not going to get it done this week. And this offensive line has been playing worse this year than they were a season ago. So that is going to be a huge key to this game as well. Packers offensive line in that game, Elton Jenkins at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Lucas Patrick at center, Royce Newman at right guard, and Billy Turner at right tackle. So you know, we'll see how Green Bay lines up this year, but like, it's not like they had a great offensive line last year. Jenkins played really well at left tackle. John Runyon Jr. was having a good season. Lucas Patrick struggled last year. Newman struggled last year. Turner was up and down. So it's not like they had a great offensive line against that really good Washington front. And Washington had Chase Young in that game. And Green Bay, while they gave up their pressures and their sacks and and Washington got theirs up front as well, uh, they were able to win that game and still be successful on offense. So we'll see how Green Bay is able to fare against Washington's defensive line this year without Chase Young. Terry McLaurin in that game, seven catches, 122 yards and a touchdown. Josh Sweat and Jonathan Allen combined for three sacks and six quarterback hits in that game and were a nightmare all game long for Green Bay's offensive line. And if you're looking for, I mean, Green Bay won that game, so it's not like we have to dig too far for hope, right? And it's not like the commanders are this you know dominant team, but the, the lowest graded Packers in that game a season ago when I went through my grades A.J. Dillon had the lowest. He had two fumbles in that game, one lost, one almost catastrophic one inside his own 20. So he had two fumbles, uh, but he was my lowest graded player. But after that, the next ones, Jonathan Garvin, Henry Black, Tyler Lancaster, and Billy Turner. So Garvin, you're not expecting to play a ton in this game. And then Henry Black, Tyler Lancaster, and Billy Turner no longer on the team. So and you're not expecting A.J. Dillon to have two fumbles again. So the the players who performed very poorly a year ago should either A, not be involved or, or not on the team, or B, you know, you're not expecting another poor performance from A.J. Dillon. So hopefully Green Bay can even play better than they did when they got a win a season ago. You guys know me well enough to know that I, you, I'm going to take my time in breaking down the tape and going over all of the different notes and the advantages and disadvantages and the scouting report, et cetera, right? And I'm going to give you all the different things that matter. And I'm not also one for hyperbole, right? You guys know me well enough. I'm not going to Stephen A. Smith this and you know, you know, yell at the top of my lungs, it's going to come down to this one thing and this one thing only, because usually that's ridiculous. Friends, this is going to come down to one thing and one thing only. The Packers offensive line versus the Commanders defensive line. This Commanders defensive line is legit. I went and watched the All-22 from uh, Titans Commanders from two weeks ago. I didn't want to watch the Bears because the Bears are barely a football team. Maybe the Packers are too. Who knows? But uh, I wanted to watch that Tennessee Titans game. I thought that one would be a little bit more apples to apples. Offensive line is struggling. Quarterbacks that through this season are playing at a similar level in in Tannehill and Rodgers, if we're being fair. 
good running backs. They've got Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, etc. You know, it's not not great game breaking receivers for either teams either. Like it felt like that would be a pretty good indicator of like what you know Green Bay could be seen and how Washington played against Tennessee. So that was the first thing that I looked at, and their their defensive line, Sweat, Allen, and Payne were so incredibly impressive. And I know Chase Young is out. Do not sleep on James Smith-Williams. I was impressed by him as well. He had a couple really nice rushes in that game against Tennessee. But while Deron Payne was good, James Smith-Williams was good, Josh Sweat and Jonathan Allen were absolute bona fide studs. And I was incredibly impressed with how they played. And not that that's super surprising. They're two really good players, but they were dominant in that game. And they are going to give Green Bay's offensive line extreme fits this week. And as I mentioned earlier, last year against Green Bay's offensive line, those two, Sweat and Allen, combined for three sacks and six quarterback hits. Now, when we went back and we watched the Packers against the Jets defensive front, right? We talked about the the Packers offensive line. That was one of the worst performances that we've seen. I've put together the two minute and 30 second clip on Twitter of just the Packers offensive line getting beat after beat after beat after beat, like just terrible offensive line play. Well, in that game, the Jets defensive line per PFF had 20 pressures, four sacks, six hits, and 10 hurries. One more time, 20 pressures, four sacks, six hits, 10 hurries. How about the commander's front against the Titans? Let me know if this sounds slightly familiar. 19 pressures, six sacks, six hits, seven hurries. So basically the difference, commanders had two more sacks, three less hurries. Everything else was the same. The the commanders did to the Titans offensive line, basically the exact same thing that the Jets defensive line did to the Packers offensive line. It was dominant. It was devastating. And I got like PTSD flashbacks of seeing the exact same thing that the Jets did to Green Bay is what Washington's defensive line did to the Titans offensive line. And this Packers offensive line is a nightmare right now. That's not that's not hyperbole either. Bakhtiari played well last game. I expect him to have another solid game, even if he's going against Montez Sweat. Like I he'll I expect him to be fine. But you know, I, we don't even know how they're going to line up, first of all. And even if they do line up with Jenkins in, at guard, maybe running at the other guard, who knows if they make that change? Who's at right tackle? Is it Zach Tom? Is it Royce Newman? Now they're going to, I'm sure, see a ton of Montez sweat. There's not a lot of great options. And even what when you make those changes, right? Like now Elton's got to make another move and get reacclimated to another position. And while that's been something he's been really good at in his career, his technique and his like just agility right now coming off the ACL has not been the same. So that's not a given either. So like it just so happens that the commanders do not have very many superpowers or strengths or dominant traits as a team. They just don't. They primarily have basically their defensive front and then Terry McLaurin. Those are their two really great strengths. McLaurin's a stud. Their defensive line is fantastic. It just so happens that their biggest strength their defensive line is also coinciding with the Packers' biggest weakness, their offensive line. And it is not overstating things when I say that this game, I legitimately believe, will come down to how Green Bay's offensive line holds up against a very talented Washington Commanders defensive line. Now, that being said, 
there's always outs, right? And what I mean by that is every game's going to have its own identity. And it's not to say that like maybe the, the commander's defensive line just dominates the Packers defensive front, but the Packers get some sort of fluke special teams touchdown, or they get a pick six. They get a bunch of turnovers from Taylor Heineke. The defense balls out. It's not to say that there's not an avenue for victory. There's always an avenue for victory for the most part. There's always something that could happen. It just limits your opportunities for success. It gives you like a very thin Dr. Strange one in, you know, 20 billion scenario of like, this has to be the exact you know thing that happens because you're not going to be able to put up points on offense because your offensive line can't block their defensive front and you're not getting running yards. You're not being able to pass the ball and everything just implodes on offense again. Is there a way you can win that? Sure. But the, like the path to it is extremely slim and you've got, you know, like a one in a hundred chance then. Right. So this this is what it boils down to. And we just talked about the game last year, right? And yes, they had Chase Young. And yes, Green Bay's offensive line was clearly different, probably better. But they they gave a ton of pressures. You know, you had Sweat and Allen, again, combined for three sacks and six quarterback hits. And Green Bay couldn't run the football and they abandoned the run. And if that happens again, if Washington's defensive line and Allen and Sweat eat all day long and Deron Payne and James Smith-Williams and those guys get after the quarterback and they make Green Bay frustrated once again and get away from running the football. This is going to be Jets Packers all over again. It is like a very identical team in the strengths. And like, I actually think like Washington, like they don't have Brees Hall, right? That, you know, they've got a good stable of running backs, but nothing that compares really to Brees Hall, in my opinion. Like Brian Robinson's good. Antonio Gibson's good. McKissick's a great uh, third down option as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but like no Brees Hall. But they do have a Terry McLaurin. And I think that's better than any Jets wide receiver at this point. So to me, this is a very similar team. Heineke, Zach Wilson, not a ton of difference. Wilson was terrible last week and they still got the win. So this, if, if Green Bay can't block up front, this has the ability to look frighteningly, you know, similar, frighteningly, frighteningly, frighteningly similar. I'm never saying that again, uh, to the Jets game from a week ago. Uh, it is, well, it's almost midnight when I'm recording this. So give me a little bit of accident forgiveness on my pronunciation, by the way. All right. So that's the main thing. That is the key to this game. It is the uh, Packers offensive line versus Washington's defensive front. That may be low hanging fruit. I may not be telling you anything you don't know, but I wanted to give the context of what happened A, last year when Green Bay played Washington's defensive front, and B, what Washington's defensive front did to Tennessee just two weeks ago when they basically dominated that game. Now, Tennessee came away with a win in that game. So, you know, there's still an opportunity for success, you know, even when Washington's defensive line is dominating. But again, it just makes it really, really slim. And I, you know, it's weird as I watched that tape, as I watched Tennessee, Washington, Tennessee got the win. And I kept going back to like, how, how did they get the win? Like you watch the tape, especially Tennessee's offense. And they like, just didn't have much right to win that game whatsoever. So we'll see is the same kind of similar to Washington Green Bay a season ago, Washington up and down the field all game long, but they just, you know, crapped the bed in the red zone and couldn't do anything. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's liquid death a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called liquid death, you may ask? 
Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors. Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here are my other notes. There are other things that are going on in this game. Uh, I do think uh, you can get Washington with cadence a little bit. They will uh, have a propensity to jump offside. So maybe finally Green Bay can get uh, a couple of uh, false start penalties and maybe some free plays down the field, which Green Bay has been desperately missing. Those free plays have been a huge part of Green Bay's offense and teams just aren't biting on it anymore, which has been a sort of a big bummer. I do think Washington's tackling on the second level is vulnerable. This is where there's the big difference defensively between the Jets and the Commanders. The Jets on the front level, on the defensive line and the defensive front, was really good. Similarly to Washington's defensive front, very, very good. I think those those two lines have the ability to be very, very similar uh, against Green Bay, what we saw a, season, or a week ago. The, the difference here is I thought the Jets, linebacker, corner, safety, played a very strong game and were really good against Green Bay. Sauce Gardner was fantastic. Washington's linebacker, corner, safety, nowhere near that same level. They're not as great at tackling. I think they're susceptible on the second level. I think you can get them with screens. So that's where you can attack. Now, does Green Bay have the time to attack the second level? Can they get their run game going so Aaron Jones can attack the second level? Can they hit on some of those screen plays? That's what remains to be seen. But I do think there is a difference between the Jets, who had a, a great, you know, great game in the defensive backfield, versus Washington, who has struggled in that regard. 
I do think we need to see more bunch formations for Green Bay. I think Tennessee had some level of success with that. Some of the shallow crossers, just getting a little bit of space. I think you can run against Benjamin St. Juice. I would love to see Romeo Dobbs uh, get maybe some free releases against him, whether it's on a short crosser, an intermediate crosser, a deep crosser. I do think you can run away from him a little bit. So if they start playing some press man to man, you can get him in a bunch formation with a free release. Those are some things that I think you can take advantage of. And then the last thing offensively is you have to stay patient with the run. Quite frankly, the big reason that Tennessee was able to get a win against Washington is because they didn't abandon it. It didn't work early. Like I, I can promise you if, if Tennessee would have abandoned the run game, they wouldn't have won. And B, like the way Washington crushed Tennessee's run game early, if that happened, Matt LaFleur in every game would have given up on it because that's, it's just like, if he sees the running game not working, he doesn't really stick with it. And that's where he's just going to have to be extremely patient. There are going to be some runs for loss. There are going to be some frustrating plays that uh, just completely blow up. But if they don't stick with Aaron Jones and they don't keep attacking and trying to get him to the second level where he can really have, I think, a lot of success, it's going to be a very, very long day against this commander's defense. Defensively for, for Green Bay, I do think Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker uh, are going to be huge in this game. First of all, Taylor Haneke's running. He, again, he almost ran for 100 yards last year. Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell need to you know, be able to spy him and make sure that he doesn't get excess yardage in those situations. He, is, he has a propensity to pull down the ball and run, so they got to make sure they're sound in that regard. Checkdowns, you know, whether it's Antonio Gibson, whether it's Brian Robinson, whether it's JD McKissick, all of them have the ability to take that check down and make something happen with it. So Quay and Campbell, once again, going to have to be really sound there. And then shallow crossers. We know how much crossing routes have given Green Bay issue. Usually it's the intermediate to deep crossers, but Washington very successful on the shallow crossing plays. Once again, communication between Quay and Campbell and tackling, especially on Terry McLaurin, is going to be super important. Terry McLaurin, dynamic player, gave Green Bay problems a year ago, is having another really nice season. He's just a playmaker. He can beat you deep. He can beat you with route running. He can beat you after the catch. He is a complete wide receiver, super fun to watch. Just hope not against Green Bay. And Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, I will be very intrigued to see if Jair shadows uh, McLaurin. He should. I think he will. That's what they did last week uh, against the Jets, against Garrett Wilson and company. So if they did it against Wilson, I would assume that they will do it against McLaurin, but that will be a key thing to watch in this game. Also keep an eye out for Deami Brown. Really fun player coming out of college. Is still trying to put everything together. Had a huge deep touchdown. Actually, two deep touchdowns against uh, the Titans in that game. And that was really the difference in the game. If you let him get a free release and get going down the field, he has the ability to burn you. Green Bay can ill afford to give up explosives in this game. McLaurin and Deami Brown have the ability to do that. We're not sure if Jahan Dotson is going to play in this game. He's questionable. He has the ability to do that as well. So if Green Bay wants to play that press man, I think that's fine, but they're going to have to be really careful that they're not giving up those explosive plays to some really good Washington wide receivers. And Eric Stokes is going to be super, super important in this game. Kenny Clark versus Sadiq Charles and Andrew Norwell, I think is a really big opportunity for some wins for Green Bay. And I think can put some pressure up the middle, uh, you know, on Taylor Heineke. I think it can really stop the run. This is not a great Washington offense. They will shoot themselves in the foot a lot. They're outside of the wide receivers where you have to, you know, you know, you have to protect up front and Taylor Heineke is going to have to deliver a, you know, a good ball on time. I, I think Washington is, is very shaky on offense. And I think Green Bay's defense can have success. But I think the last note here and the last thing I'm really intrigued at is how does Joe Barry play against this Washington team? Because they, they did not do well from a yardage standpoint a season ago. 
They did really well in red zone defense. And I, I just don't know if that, if they can carry that over, <laughs> like that's probably not something that you can count on. Right. So he's going to have to play a different brand of defense watching this Washington team. As much as people hate it, I actually kind of got the feeling of like, I don't hate you. Like I wouldn't normally hate the, the bend, but don't break philosophy just because Washington shoots themselves in the foot a lot. And I don't want to give up those explosives to McLaurin and Deami Brown. And I don't think this is an offense that has the ability to go 75, 80 yards and actually cap it off with a touchdown very often. Maybe they get one, maybe, you know, but I think overall your defense has the ability to hold them. And I think they're going to screw up more often than not. But we've also seen Green Bay really struggles with that style of defense. They give up a lot of yardage. It keeps Green Bay's offense off the field. Everything gets out of you know rhythm and momentum. So, you know, I don't know that they want to do that either. And if Taylor Heineke can get some of those easy completions, now McLaurin can get some stuff going after the catch. Green Bay's not a great tackling defense. So I think you still have to play like you did against the Jets. But if, if I was watching it and, and I thought Green Bay's offense was good, I would say play Ben, but don't break and make sure you're not giving up explosives. And I know people hear that and they just, it's like nails on a chalkboard, but there's a reason a lot of defenses and a lot of good defenses play that way throughout the league, but you have to pair it with good offense. And if your offense isn't getting you points and like everything's a grind, I don't think it affords you the ability to play a softer brand of defense and just give up field goals. Field goals could beat Green Bay in this game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Joe Barry plays this and what type of, what style and scheme of defense he plays against Washington's offense. That is going to do it for me today. I appreciate you as always. I will be right back here tomorrow with my final prediction and pregame show. So make sure to check that out. Subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.